This is Terry Ryan Sr., former former Hamilton Red Wing, former Minnesota Fighting Saint, former draft choice of Minnesota North Stars. You're listening to the Sheriff's Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to an exclusive episode of The Sheriff. Guys, today I have a real-life legend. And ladies and gentlemen, every pro hockey player has a favorite time in their careers. My favorite time is when I crossed the pond and played for the famous Belfast Giants. Ladies and gentlemen, from the moment I arrived, I heard about a legend that had played there before. The first hard man in Belfast Giants history. He's a true legend but could also give you a point per game with a body check guaranteed. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the, the promotion for today is going to enhance toughness, skill, pride, and a champion. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Paxton Schulte, how are you doing this evening? Well, that's quite the introduction, and I appreciate it. I feel like I should be on uh, Letterman or Johnny Carson or something, but I'm, uh, I'm on one one better, and I'm on the Sean McMorrow, the Sheriff's Show. So thank you very much for those kind words. Yeah, no problem, brother. As you could tell, I'm a little bit nervous. We were talking before the show, and you're a really big deal, like, for, for our show. And, and when I say our show, I'm talking on behalf of me and Danny Granger Art, my brother-in-law, Danny Granger, who's the producer for our show. And Paxton, I was explaining to you before that I was going to say, once we started recording, why this episode means more to me than, let's say, another episode where it might be a big NHL name with a guy with a bunch of games played. And and that is because when I honestly went over to Belfast, it was the best time of my life. Like, I embraced that life experience as a pro hockey player. And the best thing about it, brother, is the fact that we had the exact same role so I know what you did. You laid the seeds for a hard man, which they call over there, is a tough guy in North America. You laid the seeds for the tough guy to be such an important part of that team because you really made a mark the first year they were in existence, man. And that was all they had to go by. So from that point on, the 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 the, the magnified glass that was on the tough guy was incredible because Paxton Schulte was an all-star tough guy from the beginning. That's why you mean so much to me, brother. Well, it was it was a, definitely an honor to be over there and be part of the the beginning of such of a great thing. Looking now, we see 25 years plus back and or 20 years plus back, and and it's amazing how the the game itself, the players have evolved. Um, the the media attention and going over there, uh, like I said, you're looking back and I don't know about you, but there's there's not too many bad things you can say about that other than the small fridges, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But other than that, like the, the people, and I'm sure that you're in touch with lots of them or, or have friends on Facebook that, that check in with you. So to be part of, of such a new beginning and an uncertain thing there, and to see how it's evolved and, like you said, be part of the growth of the, the, the well, the British Ice Hockey League, now the Elite Ice Hockey League, and, and just how Great Britain and a lot of their youngsters 
have come along and, and are starting to come across the pond this way is, you know, you, you can feel that you maybe weren't a, a huge part of it, but you know that in some, some little way that you may have encouraged or, or helped that kid decide which road they wanted to go, go down, or even just to be part of the playoffs and the playoff weekends are huge there. And, and it's not, it's not the premiership, but, but like you said, it's affordable. The it's I believe it's the only non-policed uh, sporting event that serves alcohol, and you yeah. have people people from from both sides of of uh, of the religion there, non-religion, Catholic, Protestant. Uh, you have even when the fans come over, the best of my knowledge, you have their little disagreements, but you don't have big scuffles in the fans. You don't have people punching. So it's a big thing over there, and then and. You know what to see that and be in the stands for testimonials and come back and and you know what and really they are a family as much as they are your fa- uh, fans. It was uh, amazing. The hard man thing, well, that's just what I did to to play hockey and and it's something that everybody knows. Like you said, whether you're sticking up for your brother, you're sticking up for your teammate, you know, beating up a classroom bully or or you know what just you know just have a disagreement uh people understand that that if you have somebody that the loyalty is there and uh, they'll be your loyalty to you the rest of the rest of your career or rest of your friendship that kind of thing yeah for sure brother and i definitely appreciate you sharing those things and just to add to it paxton because we're talking about it now i always try to explain the uniqueness of that team and how the British government does use the Belfast Giants to bring the communities together. So people will hear me say that, Paxton, like that, you know, might know about the league, but like, you know, they don't know really the history and stuff. You know, they'll be like, okay, you know, that's what he might think. Okay, that's cool. But I try to explain it and get in in depth and try to explain how right down to the colors are neutral. The, the the name of the team, the Belfast Giant, is 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 Finn McCool, the giant that that tried to walk over the the Giants' causeway over to Scotland to battle the other giants, and it has nothing to do with religion. It has to do with the land, right? And that's what makes it so unique. Please. Yeah, I believe, and I, and I don't know, and I'm not a political person, and by speaks, but um, and I don't know. I want to say British government or or the Sinn Féin and all the other, the Protestant Catholic. And and my understanding is that it's like anywhere else. You have good people and bad people, and they want to support something good. And, and we were the good then. And and whether it's worked in the government's favor, whether you want to say British, Irish, uh, you know, you, it's, it's come to where everybody has a, a common goal and that's for the giants to win. And that's yes. to see uh, the British born players, UK, uh, Northern Irish born players come together as one in a unified way. Uh, and I think, I think that the country, the government, I think the people, I think us as players have all benefited from, from what started out to an uncertain thing in uncertain times, uh, so to speak, uh, to have blossomed into a tree that, you know, shows fruits over and over. Like, uh, well, you played with Rob Stewart, his son, Mac, yeah. and other guys like Mac. Uh, he came over across the pond, tried out or was come to the OHA 
um, and uh, and went back over there, and he's an aspiring star too. I mean, you know, there's lots of good things happening both ways, you know. So we got guys going there, and they got guys coming back across this way. So I mean, we have you have the the I think what is it called the Frozen Four or the final. Whatever that John the NCAA or, or over there, yeah, they, no, they got yeah. the Final Four weekend, and it's such a big deal, isn't it, Paxton? Have, well, the Final Four weekend, but I mean, they bring the NCAA over, Johnny and and those guys have brought over to play in Belfast to to expose. They had the the Boston Bruins there, so I mean, you can see the hockey's good, but like I said, it's it's becoming a cultural experience through hockey. Yeah, and I'll tell you what I I and I now I know exactly what you mean. Also, the the Toronto Marlboros and the Hamilton Bulldogs they came across when I was playing for the Giants, and Edinburgh played the Marlies. We got stuck playing the best team in the AHL at the time, the Hamilton Bulldogs. That was when PK Subban was still down, and they had a they just had a powerhouse team. They beat us like four or five, nothing, but we put up a good game. It was, it was entertaining and it kind of showcased how far British hockey has come because we only had the 10 imports Paxton. So yeah. a good part of our team was Colin Shields, Stephen Murphy, guys like that, that were really yeah. key parts that made our team competitive. Oh, absolutely. And you, and you, you know what the funny thing about saying that the British hockey has come a long way. I have guys that come into, I work at St. Albert Sports, and I, oh, and I notice I pick up accents, and I'll say, oh, yeah, I played over in Belfast, and I played in England for a while. And they're like, we have ice hockey over there? And so even at the time when they were there, which is even 20 years ago, like, it's become, and because they still had Sheffield, Nottingham, uh, well, Cardiff, Air, uh, Bracknell. London. Bracknell, that's where I played for two, you know, yeah. so there, there's all the games, but still was an unknown factor unless you were in that small, small uh, fan base that supported hockey. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, Paxton, what I wanted to ask you, because we're 10 years apart, you're, you're a 72 birth year and I'm 82, right? So you were there literally in 2000, the first year I was there the 2009, 2010 season. So we were 10 years exactly apart. Now, when you were there, it was, it was the super league at the time. Did you guys have a limit of imports or was it as many as you wanted? I think we had to have at the time it was five British born players. And okay. the rest could be imports. So uh, we had, I want to, only one that come up, I think Kelman and Ward were for sure. I think Hody might have had a passport. Maybe Stevens had passports. I was Was Stewart there at the time? Stewie would have been a British born uh, passport. Uh, so, and then we had, uh, I want to say Majimsi, um, trying to think, Morrison, Moe. Yeah, the uh, Moe train. Martin, maybe it was only three. We had, I think maybe it was just them three. Maybe it was the three, they were the three uh, Belfast-born boys to to um, lace, up, lace up for us in the Giants. And then, yeah, we played most of our games away for the first, till December 2nd, which was our first home game. Scored the first goal in the Odyssey. First two fights, got kicked out. 
So <laughs> we lost 2-1. My sister had never seen me play pro hockey. She come over. She got to see about about seven minutes of hockey playing, and then I was sitting in the stands with her. So it was uh, yeah, it was it was a great evening. We remember that evening and and the hype behind it, and just how things have gotten better. Uh, at least at least looking at the crowds. I said I don't do the numbers thing, and I'm not a I'm not running the team. But as far as people and players and the championships won, I think uh, they built on that that first season. Yeah, no, for sure. But the interesting thing is, is how successful you guys were from that first season. Like, I'm looking at it right now. Like, you guys had a winning record the first season, right? Yep. And so that must have been a big hit with a new team being a winning team. And wait a second. These guys can can actually duke it out, like, bare-fisted? Like, that's, you know... The, the the talk in the pub must have just went incredible when people first found out about the Belfast Giants. Well, you talk to people, and until they got into the building, they didn't know anything about it. Once they're there, you couldn't keep them out. And to be successful, I you know what? Well, knowing what I know about the Belfast people now, I believe that they would have supported us had we not won a game all season as long as we were trying. I think they they have a good sense of loyalty to the community and and to so if you're if you're given everything you got they're going to help you out as best they could if they only if you need ten dollars and they have only have nine they're going to give you nine dollars they'll give you everything they have and and i think in return at least the group of guys we had there in the first first couple seasons you know that i was there and and like i said we go down we meet up we go to people's houses we do you know visits to the schools on our own such such things like that we gave back but what i don't think what we got in return can ever surmount to what you know what the people gave to us it was it was amazing i mean i don't think i if i went over there now i'd probably never have to pay for a drink and i could probably live at somebody's house and be okay it's just you know it's just amazing the reception and the fighting like you said we we had myself and bowen and and then finally I got Cruiser and because I'd go into London and you'd have Banks and Nightcar and Bezo and all those guys. Yeah. And so you have two fights. So you knew even if you fought twice, there's still going to be somebody out there. And yeah. I, it was just, it's, it's wearing and you know yourself, you get older and younger guys trying, they're older there too. But when you're the only guy doing it, it it makes for a makes for a long day and a long season that's for sure yeah it it definitely does and like the thing is paxton is like the story i started to tell in the beginning of when i first got to belfast like i was just so amazed with how rich the history was how how proud the people were like these are people like you said like don't, don't they give you the shirt off their back but they are a proud bunch, right? Yeah. They can they can entertain. It's so easy for them to have a good time. I'm like, wow, now I understand this whole Irish influence in Canada. Like, now I get it. Like I'm getting it right from the right from there. Right. The hard, and I loved it. Hardworking, loyal people, like you said, if you give them everything you have, they're gonna give you that and then some tenfold back. It's it's like you say, we talk about the hockey and but with and, and, and this goes for just about anywhere. If you don't have the people, you don't have hockey. So 
it's like which came first, the chicken or the egg, right? <laughs> without the yeah. without the without the people in the town, there's no Belfast Giants. Without the Belfast Giants, there's no Odyssey and and the Belfast Giants. But but I believe that the people, them supporting us those first few years, which were definitely harder, especially on the finances. You know, it, the people would support it, but I know with the lots of talk when 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 I was there, and I'm saying I think things have changed. Is the shipyards? They didn't get their ships, and that was a lot of their. You know, guys are unemployed or making minimal. So even a, a ten dollar ten pound ticket, which is a good price. Well, if you don't have ten pounds, you don't have ten pounds. You know, if it's a fifty pound ticket, fifty dollar pounds, and they come to the game, that's fine too. But you know, they gave they gave everything they had to make sure that the Giants stayed there. Yeah, and like I, my, but the year that I came, it was the tenth anniversary, right? And there was so much pride in the city. You mentioned how you guys got out to the schools and the hospitals and and that on your own. And you know, you you, ne- you mentioned Todd Kelman. He was the general manager when I got there. So yeah. this is a guy that you played with. You guys both got to experience what Belfast was really about because you were there from the beginning. So Todd really had me go out and do those things that you guys did. And I got to experience that, Paxton. And like you, you said. You were probably scared of Todd, right? Because he was so big and strong and killer. And name that. <laughs> he probably had, he probably There's a reason they call him killer, right? Cup of the neck and he probably drug you around, threw you around in the dressing room and told you where <laughs> I said, if you don't do this, eh? Such <laughs> an intimidating person, that Todd Kelman. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's a beauty, man. He um he really made me feel comfortable. He really helped me kind of like, you know, promote the whole the whole sheriff thing really blew up in Belfast. Paxton, they they, they made t-shirts, they made little badges, they they had a little business plan with me going with it. And and like I really appreciated how they came to me with it, right? Obviously, they wanted to make a little bit of money, but they came to me, they gave me the idea, and I was like, wow, I was just flattered to even be involved in the conversation. Like you said, some of the the media stuff that the giants themselves have, and everybody, I mean. My son is going through the thing where you have too much and too little media. And so, you know, when you're always hearing things, you're like, oh, my, oh, so Schulte's playing bad. Oh, shit, I'm playing bad. But on the same token, you hear Schulte's playing good. But like you said, in our day, you never had any of that. And But like you said, so if you were trying to promote yourself as a player, like say a contract for next season, or like you said, your T-shirts, like I had myself and Cruiser, we had the Bruise Brothers. And so that was, yeah, so that was kind of cool. Um, I'll send you, send you a picture of the t-shirt there, one with my dad wearing, one with my son wearing it. But the, uh, yeah. like you said, for that, that's, that's what it's about too, is, is, is marketing the game. I mean, like you said, it took a while to get people into the, into the seats. Uh, I used to go to uh, David Lloyd's and I'd hand out our free tickets and stuff like that. And people were always weary about coming, but once they got there, they're like, Packs, do you have any of those free tickets? And like, yeah, a couple. And then eventually they start buying them. They take their friends, you know, they grab beers and then they'd head out afterwards. And there, at the time, there was a handful of bars at the Odyssey there and the Hard Rock and Seven and I think uh, Precious, I think it was called. So there was places to go out afterwards, have a have a Chinese and 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 go there. And and they had the the bowling alley and. <clears throat> 
mm-hmm. obviously Jimmy's Rockies was amazing too, right? Yeah, Rockies was amazing. Yeah, Jimmy was up this uh, this past winter seeing his dad, so he stopped in, caught one of my son's games, and we had a talk, and yeah, it was good. So yeah, lots, and it's lot just lots going on there. Like I said, the the people made it happen, and the team we embraced it, and and you you hear things after former teams, like I said, not being interacting with the the, the fans as much, and. And to me, that's almost hurtful. Like, you know, we have jobs. We're 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 a big enough deal that people want to see us, but we're not so big that we're getting mauled, right? You know, like they're they're respectful of our space. They want to be part of something amazing. Like I I if if I could go down and work for the Oilers and open their gates and carry their sticks, I'd do that. I want to be part of something good. Nobody asked me for yeah. my autograph now, like. And to to see what I understood anyway, and and not anybody in particular, but why wouldn't you as a player want to give back? Like, why wouldn't you want to be, and maybe you're pumping your own tire, but there's nobody pumping my tires now. <laughs> you know, like, you, you know yourself, when you were in, in Belfast, probably, you know, like you were, you were as good as, like you said, you were an Austin Matthews or a, or a Connor McDavid, or a Drysaddle, or Nugent Hopkins on our end, or a Marner. What you know, like guys wanted to talk to you. Guys wanted to see you. You want people wanted you. Like now, my buddies call me up. Can you move this and bring some beers? That's. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'll help you move it, but bring your own beers. Yeah, I hear you, man. This is the thing, Paxton. Like, like what you're saying is exactly right. I never was able to figure it out either because I would tell my family sometimes like when I go home for Christmas, like I'd tell them like just little stories and stuff because they'd ask about specific players that I'm playing with. And I'd be like, yeah, that guy really hates interacting with the fans. I don't know why. Like the fans just love him. And all he has to do is just acknowledge them, be a little bit nice, spend a little bit of time, sign a couple autographs, take a couple pictures it's nice to be wanted, right, Paxton? Like, well, like don't hide, don't hide. Like that, that, that was my thing. I, I heard of guys hiding, and and to me, that to me is, and being there from the beginning, we had such a good group of guys. We didn't hide. Like you could find us, you know what? Maybe changing a baby's diaper at some point, but <laughs> you know, like I wouldn't say that everybody was really outgoing because some guys kept to themselves, which is fine. But nobody hid. We had a good group of wives and girlfriends. We interacted. I know when you have little ones, it's a little bit tougher, and I, and I totally get that. But you know what? The fans understand that too. You come out, you say hi, you take some pictures. But you know what? If if one of the wives or girlfriends needed a lift or a tire change, you know what? All you'd have to say is, hey, I'm at the game. Can somebody run out there and help or whatever? And you would have had that. You know, like yeah. nobody was hiding. No, that's the thing. I guess I don't want to say say people were outgoing because no not every personality is outgoing like me and you we're we're pretty much to ourselves <laughs> but like i said outgoing you don't have to be it's just people want you visible in the community right yeah. and and like you said even connor mcdavid and you hear here we got one day uh i can't remember who it was. somebody's somebody's uh need a ride home they're driving past like roger's place here jumped in with PRV, you know, or he comes down here in St. Albert. He was, uh, the Benning brothers are from St. Albert. So 
he yeah. come down and played some ball with Benning and uh, Stanton, Mike Stanton and stuff like okay. that. You know, like they're just people too. And that's what people want to see is that nobody was better than anybody else. You know, like, and, and I don't believe we are. I believe we're in a place to make a difference and, and that we're lucky. We're lucky that at one point in our lives, we may have made some little kid smile or been somebody's idol to look up to. Like I, uh, have you seen when Belfast came to hockey? Yes. Yeah. So those two boys, I was just gonna I was gonna tweet out here not too long or tweet out or put on Facebook. Where are these guys? Like I just want to talk to them. Like you know, how are things? How did things work out for you? You know, like the hockey brought you together. Are you guys still friends? You know, just you know, at, at one point that was because of the Giants. Yep. Yeah. You know, so. Changing lives, there's, and I'm starting to realize it because my son Xander, he's he's out there trying to decide Western Hockey League college route. Um, but at, but at the end of the day, if you're lucky to have 10 years and play from the time you're 20 to your 30, what do you do to the time you're 30 to 65? You know, like that's a that's yeah. a small part of your life. You know, and so the the friendships that you forge the the connections you make the the people you talk to uh hopefully it's all on better things you're not going to make everybody happy you're not pizza so <laughs> you, you have to you have to go on and and think about the greater things what what life lessons have i learned tenacity uh, hard work friendship leadership you know mm-hmm. perseverance right you know i mean you've probably gone through some nasty injuries you know yeah been the coach's favorite sat on the bench you know played lots played little like you said i went from 30 30 goals in the american league to 30 fights the next year so i went from almost a point a game and 30 goals you know i had a couple hundred minutes to 30 fights maybe playing two shifts a period half a point a game and 274 you know points i mean that's it but you know yourself not every day did you want to go to the work to work, but you knew you loved the game and that's why we played it. And I, it was funny cause I'd never had been asked that question before. Went to a school and, and my dad used to ask me or people would ask you, what do you want to be uh, when you grow up? And I'm like hockey. Uh, I was a cowboy. That was it. I want to be a cowboy. Yeah. Hockey, I, I, uh, hockey chose me. I was just good at it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you, and I used to think, oh, I'm playing because my first year in the American League, I paid for $35,000. Uh, so I was playing in Cornwall, uh, 48% tax, uh, 7% GST, 8% PST. Oh, oh yeah. hey, do you golf in the summer? No, I work and I, yeah. and I work out. I, I have no money. Like, I, I literally, the only thing keeping me going is the fact that, you know what, I get to play next season and I want to play well, you know, like. It wasn't the money. Now you get you get kids, and I work for a group called MCN Sports Advising. And these kids, they're like, well, I'm not going to camp unless they sign me. Well, you know what? Go to camp and make sure that you that you don't leave because they want to sign you. Like Exactly. You know, like, I didn't care where I played. And I know that in the NHL, there's lots of things, taxes and stuff. But at the end of the day, I would sit – Right now, if the order said packs, you come, you pay for everything yourself and fight every night. 
and I want you to sharpen skates and do the towels too. I'm in. I'm absolutely in. I don't care where I'm getting the money from, but I'll find a way so that I can play hockey again, do what I love. It's not it's not a dollars and cents thing. If you and I and I think this is true, and I don't. The only guys that I, I played with lots of guys, but never ever sat down and talked to them why they played hockey. But in my heart, I still want to believe that the true superstars and the guys that are playing are playing because they truly love the game. We have, um, oh shoot, why can I, Ryan here in Edmonton, oldest oiler to score a hat trick just the other day. And so he went Spokane Chiefs, University of Alberta, over to Europe, and back in the NHL. And Really? I, yeah. Yeah. And like you said, it's, it's, an un- it's not a normal path, right? It's undrafted, the whole works. And, but I believe looking at a guy like him, he comes out and he was interviewed the other day and said, uh, you know what, we're getting opportunity on every other team that he played for. They were saying that he was basically the leading scorer, U of A, Spokane. And here he is playing fourth minute minutes. Now he's getting an opportunity. He's playing, you know, third minutes, killing penalties. Uh, He's got four goals in his last three games on the road against Tampa, Carolina, nice. and uh, who else did they play? Anyway, and he's just got the opportunity. But he, I believe that when you go that route, you don't do it for the money. You do it because you love the game. I want to think that Joe Sackick and Sundin and I believe Crosby and, and, and McKinnon, those guys play it uh, because they love the game. You mean, yes, do you want to get paid for it because 10 – 10 years is you have to make the majority of your money. And I get that. I get that. Don't get me wrong. But when you're saying you need $10 million a year for 10 years, a hundred million dollars, <laughs> I, I can't buy that many shoes. I don't think, you know, like yeah. at what point is too much, too much, right? Like where do you get a, guy, a bunch of guys say in Tampa that say, you know what, uh, can collectively as a group, let's all take a little bit less play together mm-hmm. a little longer, and win Stanley Cups. 32 teams now. Like, you could play, like, Ray Bork. Like, you look at him. How many years did he play for Boston? Finals? A lot. Never, never, never win. I think 22 years or something. Or I think whatever. so, yeah. Won a Stanley Cup with the Avalanche. Like, it would have been a pity to see a guy like that go without. But you know what? That's going to happen. Some of these guys... You see, I think it was Edmonton when they went to game six. They were could have won the game. They were 30 seconds away from winning it. Uh, the series or whatever, or it turns around. Now some of those guys, that's their last season. They've never seen a, a playoff or a cup final ever again. You can be 30 seconds away from something and not know it at the time. You know, like, I, like how many times do you look back and say, had I trained a little bit harder, had a little bit smarter, you know what, maybe focus a little bit more offensively or my skating instead of, you know, throwing my fists or, you know Mm -hmm. what, been on time to something where I wasn't on the bubble. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, a hundred percent Paxton. And, and the whole Belfast Giants talk, dude, I, I embrace that with you because I just love talking Belfast Giants with you, but I can't wait to hear 
the timeline. Like, we got some AHL to talk about, man. We got to go all the way back to the Sherwood Park Crusaders, my man. That's, that's far <laughs> no. that my son was. I know. And we we're talking because he plays U18 triple uh, St. Albert Raiders here. So there's a lot of alumni that come out of here. Uh, one off the top of the head is Nick Holden with Ottawa right now. His, his half-brother, Jack, is actually the coach here. And he played here in St. Albert. And I think I played here 33 years ago where my son is playing. So what does that tell you? How old am I? We're all getting old, Paxton, man. But the is good thing is, though, is he, is he home now? Yeah, he is. Awesome. Yeah, he's definitely oh, dropped in on this interview. Can, when we get here, yeah. come in and say hi to the, the sheriff here. There's How the you doing, man. young fella? Good to you. I'm doing good, buddy. Hearing a lot of good stuff about you, man. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Awesome, buddy. How What's going practice? on tonight? I uh, just had practice. I uh, came back. I'm just going to study for my math test tomorrow. You're the perfect, perfect dude, man. <laughs> Keep up the good work, man. Thank you. No problem, buddy. You're you're raising a good one, buddy. Uh, we'll see about that. Yeah. Bad tonight. Yeah. No, I, I trust me. I, I got some questions. I, I, I we're gonna talk. We're definitely gonna talk about him for sure. Now, I got a question for you. I need to know how you pronounce your birth, your hometown. Onoway? Is that how you say it, Paxson? Onoway? It's just Onoway. 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 I had a friend just send over a, uh, they did a Bracknell Bees history and I see even in the stats and they, they had it in the uh, NHL uh, guide too. It, they had it O-N-A-W-A-Y forever. They spelled it with an A as opposed to a, an O. So it's always one of those things. And then when I was in Cornwall, may or may not have helped me. They pronounced my last name Schulte. So the French thing may have helped me, may not have helped me. <laughs> I hear you. No, I hear you. So now, what's the population of Ottawa? I think when I was growing up there, I want to say we we're still a vi- well. I think we're still the village of Ottawa. I don't think it was ever a hamlet. So whatever that is, I want to say we we're around a thousand people and. But our, our high school was uh, 7 to 12, and we were about 1,200 people because we have the rural area. So everybody's bussed in, basically. Um, so it's not very big. It's definitely gotten bigger since since I left in the last, since I was, well, since I was there in 90 or 86 or in, growing up and stuff like that. But it's, it's one time I think I knew all the families. Now I don't think I know anybody or hardly anybody. I'm sure they all know you, though. You know what? It's funny. I mean, the people in the hockey probably know me so much or know my little sisters and stuff like that. And I I mean, not like you come into town and says the home of Pax and Schulte and Troy Troy Burke, my cousin. We're both drafted by, uh, well, I was drafted by Quebec. You were drafted by, by the Avalanche. But, but I mean, the hockey community and, you know, the friends and family and, and extended family. I mean, we know, and you know, who's who, and we're not far down the road from Calhoun, from Craig Burby and, and uh, Frankie Bannum and a few guys that come through there. 
And then being in St. Albert, like you said, you see Jeff Sanderson's, uh, he's been his grappa. You talk about uh, Jake, who's amazing. You got the Matt Savoy's and, and different guys like that. So, I mean, being close to Edmonton, it's hard not to run into buddy. Tage Harding just drafted out of the AJHL, uh, played with his dad. His dad, Mike, played over in Air and in uh, London. He's drafted by wow. Chicago. Um, uh, uh, Byram, he played in Air. His son, I, I believe his son, who's playing with the Avalanche now, uh, is, is Bowden, I believe, Bowden Byram. Uh, I think he was born. I want to say he was born over there when uh, his dad was playing, and in his dad, cool. shit, hard. I would, he's not really a hard man, but he's he's one of those sleepers, and we've all run into those guys. Yeah. Solid guy on and off the ice, and don't know his son, but his son is a hell of a player, that's for sure. Yeah. So now, Paxton, this is what I'm very interested in, brother. Okay. So now, did you grow up? On a beef farm? I grew up, it was, at the time, we were dairy and we, we had beef. So we were, we were um, mostly dairy. We milked uh, the maximum of 50 cows at the time. Uh, my dad, no word of a lie, first 10 years he was there, he bought the farm in 71, turning 72, and he never missed a milking. So that's morning and night for 10 years, 365 days a, a year. And then he became a county cow employed my uncle and so he helped so then we went from dairy and beef sold the dairy he asked me when I was I want to say I was still playing I don't know if I was in Bracknell or just into Belfast says do you want to do the dairy and I said if I'm going to do anything it's going to be the beef so the dairy he sold went into the beef had a few bison buffalo and then bison buffalo then he got rid of all the all the buffalo or bison or sorry got rid of all the beef and now he had up to his almost probably close to 200 um, buffalo and then sold most of them and then kept about 10 heifers back and he's kind of regrowing the herd. But he spends his time checking the fence lines, chasing the grandkids and uh, watching Young and the Restless, I think. <laughs> What's your father's name? My dad is Jim. Jim Schulte. He's Jim. I call him Big okay. Jim. So Jim, big Jim. Okay, so now now that leads into this question: How big is Dad five in his nine. prime? In his prime, five right. nine, five nine. Uh, forearms like Popeye. Really, <laughs> well, when he was going to school, when Grandma and Grandpa had the farm, he uh, I want to say, and I don't know, I don't think he exaggerated, but my memory is <laughs> not very good. I want to say he milked four cows, four or six cows before school by hand. And then, then he had three younger siblings, my Uncle John, my Uncle Frank, and my Auntie Deb. And they each did a cow kind of thing. But Dad was the, well, he's the big brother, right? So, like I said, lot still falls on his shoulders. Um, uh, you probably saw it on my Facebook there. I wish him his happy 70th yesterday. And yeah, uh, if you read the clipping. Happy right, birthday. If you, if you read the clipping there, my Hall of Fame uh, dad, Jim Schulte, Captain Jim Schulte, standing directly behind him is Glenn Hall. So okay. Glenn, Glenn Hall is from Stony Plain, close area here, and dad played for the Flyers. And uh, Glenn's sons both played there, I believe, and, cousin, and his nephew. 
And uh, so he came back after playing his 600,000th game in a row as a goalie or whatever it was. <laughs> and they charity game. And so dad, you know, had him and knows him a little bit through through his boys and his nephew. And uh, like I said, there's a rich history there too. He was played junior when J- Junior B was big then. And, uh, and he had an opportunity to go to the Oil Kings, which was the WHA at the time. And uh, like I said, he had to make a choice, the farm or, or his career, which is, like I said, at that time, it was hard for anybody to to make the uh, make a, a living at hockey and yep. to provide for his family and and uh, like I said hard work like I, I told you I worked for that uh, MCN sports advising and and my thing is I ask kids and and your parents worked hard I'm sure my my dad worked hard I'll never work as hard as him or my grandparents so I I asked these kids I said did you work hard oh yeah I worked so hard I said well <laughs> Did you homestead 10 acres and provide for your family in the winter? They're like, oh, no. <laughs> so I, I think my work ethic, I think I got from my my uh, my dad. And, my, and I'm lucky enough that my son gets to go out there and spend time on the farm and, and see Grappa still working hard at 70. And, and Xander can pick up a sledgehammer and drive a pound, pound a post or, or stretch some wire or shovel some shit to, nonetheless. And yeah, dad is five nine, about I would say he's probably about buck eighty five, buck ninety when he's in shape. And he's built like he was. I have a picture of him and my sister, and they're lean. And I'll I'll send us send send you a few of those, and uh, you can post them with the podcast. Uh, yeah, so can say well, what do you look like? Well, that's what he looked like. And it's Captain Jim. Did I hear that? Well, at the time he was the captain of the. Uh, of the story playing fire yes. yeah so i believe i believe the first two years that they were in existence uh he led the team 70 i want to say 70 71 and 71 72 i want to say uh that he played there i want to say that that was him that he played and led the team and yeah he's just just that guy right just like I said worked hard had good skills and that's what you knew right you knew hard work so would it be fair to say that the theme of today's episode, which is toughness, skill, pride, and champion, that really that started with Jim, came, yeah, and, through, came through Paxton? And, and my mom, like I said, the, the, the first year the, my parents bought the farm, my mom would drive, they had two school buses, drive school buses in the morning. Then mom would work at CIBC from uh, 9 to 3 or whatever it was, then drive the bus 3.30 and drop off kids. My dad would drive the school bus, then go home, milk the cows, do all the chores, then drive the school, then milk again, and then drive the school bus again. I remember, and I, like I said, my dad will tell me my stories are off, but my mom at the time, which doesn't seem like a lot of money nowadays, $100,000 in the hole. But you think in 1972, that's like, you know, Two million five one point yeah. five now, right? And her being so just defeated, but they worked hard. They had my dad when he bought the farm for my grandpa. He my grandpa paid him fifty dollars a month while he was buying the farm. What do you do with fifty dollars these days? You take your wife out for dinner and hope that you don't have to tip. Where McDonald's? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. I know. Like, 
what do you do with $50? Like you, you had nothing new. Like I remember like dad, like we had a, a mix mash of wrenches growing up to fix everything and anything. Uh, you know, going to neighbors to pull parts off of old things to hopefully they worked. Like there was no, there was no, let's just get a new one. It was, how do we fix the old one? Or how do we, how do we get through to we get paid so that we can, you know, like now a stick is 359 bucks, you know, like yeah. luckily Xander's not super hard on sticks, but he breaks them just because they break. And, mm-hmm. and like you said, for the most part, a $359 touch added to anybody's budget these days, unless you're a super lucky two income family that you, you, you do, how do you work around that? Exactly. And, and I'm so, I'm so glad to hear you talk this way, Paxton, because I'm, a, I'm, I'm pretty deep into like the way that you look at things and different angles of situations. Like I'm a big believer in the law of attraction. And what I just heard you say, my man, about your dad was like, you know, the story rich men of uh, rich dad, poor dad, and how it's really two mentalities. And there's one mentality that is, oh, we can't afford that. We, we just can't do it. The other mentality is like, Jim, how can we do it? Yeah. What can we do to make it work? And like, I never went, I never went without, like, I look back and this is a, this is quite a while ago, a few, probably five years ago, I said to my dad and and I don't know, you'd be too young for it, but there was one of the very first composite sticks. It was a coho revolution, I believe. I remember. And it was oval. It was oval and purple. So I had cleaned <laughs> up, and that was what I did in the summers. Dad kind of hired me on, and I was able to, he paid me a little bit, and I was able to work out and clean up the farm. And I found this stick under there. And I remember being such a whiny little baby bitch and saying, <laughs> I need this. And I used, I don't know how long I used it, but I used it. And so it was a $40 stick as compared to a $10 stick. So, like, I never went without, like, if that makes sense. Like, I, looking back, you see, see, like, maybe the tractor needed something extra or this and that. But every time, or from when, even when I got older, I can remember we were driving to Spokane one time. Okay, we'll get up early and do chores. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Well, Dad was went got up early, so probably 435, <laughs> milked the cows by himself. Probably took him two hours instead of an hour and a half with two guys. And then he came in and then he drove. I think we only drove half, not a little over halfway that time, but then he got in the vehicle, we packed up, and he drove me eight hours into Fernie and we, before we went to Spokane's camp. And like you said, he let me sleep so I didn't have to get up. You know, like the sacrifices that your parents made at the time, like you never recognize them until you're older. And so now I I tell the kids in the store, I'm saying, you know what? You listen to your dad. <laughs> you know, I didn't listen to my dad. And then we're driving up to Grand Prairie <laughs> and watch Xander uh, play one of his games. And I put my hand on my dad's lap and I said, dad, just want you to know I'm ready to listen to you now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, better late than never, man. He, guess, probably, yeah. he probably loved it. Yeah, we were like, we, I mean, I'm a pretty jokey guy, and that's how I yeah. myself. 
by serious, uh, serious stuff. But at the end of the day, like, I know my son, I told him, I know you're going to make mistakes and I want you to make mistakes. But if you can learn anything from my mistakes or anything, I will never tell you anything that I don't think will help you. You know, like, and if we just do that, like I said, there's everybody has an opinion, but there's always going to be some, there's some things that are black and white. Two plus two is four, right? Uh, is this headboard behind me gray? Well, it's maybe gray, maybe it has a little bit of black in it, right? There's this discussion, as long as you're accepting the other person's, you know, point of view, you know, like, what do they say? You say a, a wise man, uh, I'll get this wrong, something about a wise man, a smart man uh, knows the difference uh, between right and wrong. A wise man knows when he should open his mouth or keep it closed, you know, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Like, I mean, some things are worth fighting for, other things are, you know what, it's okay to to have opinions and you you can think Austin Matthews is the best and I can think McDavis is the best you know whether I think it, whether it's right or wrong that's just who you like and that's who I like maybe you know there's different attributes to each person that make them our favorites so 100% what I thought you were going to say a minute ago was the, the 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 famous it's like an unknown source that said it of it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war, Yeah. right? And that's what Jim was, though. Oh, my dad still, like you said, he'll sit away from the parents still, and we usually sit at the opposite end, so we get two. So we'll sit with the opposing team because we get two, two periods of 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 offense but the way Xander plays you is always a well at the time when he was little he couldn't stop well and he was a big kid so oh what a goon he run over people he's doing this to hurt him and now he runs over people because he can but we just you just sit there and you <laughs> listen to everything around you and if they ask you you can look it up later uh Bruce Lee that exact same thing and you'll you'll find it is him talking and it's about you talk about uh, promoting peace and he says that exact same thing about uh, it's better you know and I and I tell my son and I and I I, I don't know about you but I I don't want to I, I I didn't embrace and I I want to say more I hated hated fighting I like Bondi would say to me kick packs were going in warm up or he'd say that me and warm up so I'd go in I'd get sick come out and then we'd fight but I told tell these guys and, and I told Xander said this sounds bad but your first junior camp i want you to grab the biggest guy and punch him right in the face i said get the respect thing out of the way it's not part of the game anymore it's not but it's like this would you rather not know how to use its fire extinguisher and and have a fire i hope there's never a fire but you should know how to use that fire extinguisher just in case you have to use it right yeah it's the same fighting you know, I was sitting with uh, Ryan Smith and Danny and Lindsay LaCelt at the, it's the Alberta Junior Hockey League, so they own the Spruce Grove Saints. And uh, I think it was the second day near the end, and there was a fight finally. And he said, yeah, when we went to camp, I said, you had three fights in the first shift. Yeah. And probably close to the same when you went too. Like, I mean, yep. the game has evolved even to 10 years from when I did, but it was, and now, 
you've been lucky. Like I think I went to Xander's Western Hockey League camp, and in the in their last inter squad game, there was two fights, but the whole rest of the camp there was nothing, and that was four wow. days long, I want to say. So yeah. the game evolved, and I and I get that. I'm not. I never intentionally injured somebody, but if I was hitting you, I was trying to make sure your sternum touched your your spine. And that I punched you so hard, you never wanted to fight me again. Like, I I didn't I didn't care to fight. I would rather go out there, play the game like it's meant to be played, blocking shots, you know, looking after your teammates and scoring goals, right? But you you tell me now with the unfortunate Ukraine Russia thing, nobody's gonna launch launch a a nuclear weapon. But if U.S. didn't have them then who's going to rule the world or exactly. didn't yep. have them and U.S. did. Like I said, you know yourself when you're on the bench or if I'm on the bench or there's uh, like I said, you had a Semenko and McSorley, you know, at a Tiger Williams, uh, a Bobby Prover, you know, you, you know how much, even like me, when I got cruiser on my team, I grew another six inches. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I was so much tougher then. Because you know what? I knew I didn't have to fight every night and that those guys knew that if I was fighting, there's a good chance that they were fighting Cruiser too. Yeah. You know, you just, and then everybody has that move. So then you can go around, play the game hard, be respectful of the game and still and still be fierce and and have an entertaining game and everybody's happy, you know? Whereas yeah. one one person being a, a, a schoolyard bully, right? Like nobody likes, everybody's a for everybody. Even your own teammates are like, you know yourself and, and I've done stupid things. I'm sure you've done stupid things on the ice oh, where yeah. you're like, oh God, Paxson did something stupid. Now we're all going to play or Sean did something stupid. The sheriff <laughs> is stupid. Like now they're just going to come after me. Like you said, who was, yeah. who were your goal scorers when you played there? Uh, okay. Colin Shields, Stephen Peacock, they were the top British guys. We had Jeff yeah. Swez was probably our main yeah. import. Yeah. 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 So, so like, like if you went after their their guy, their their goal scorers or did something stupid, you know there's gonna be retribution. So you made sure you played the game hard, you looked after you know what, a clean hit. Most guys a clean hit is a clean hit. You might expect a clean hit, but you're not gonna get anything dirty, right? And and that's how it should be played. Yes. Now, Paxton, this is the thing, though. I'm, I'm hearing you say all this, and you're absolutely right. The thing I need to point out, though, is that you, my friend, are an extremely good hockey player. Like, I got to talk to you about, like, you coming up through the ranks here, bro, because you, you're, you're, you're a pretty big deal. Like, I want to go like 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 I was saying in the beginning. I want to go all the way back to Sherwood Park. Now, when okay, you were playing Sherwood in Sherwood Park, Park, I'll try to stay on. I'll try and stay on some kind of road here instead of getting off these tangents. Oh no, no, we'll buddy, have, no, like, that was perfect. We'll it was have perfect. Fifteen episodes, fifteen episodes with Paxton Schulte. <laughs> I would love it. Sherwood Park. How old were you when you played on that team? Now, this is before. The, 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 yeah. you, you, you of so Dakota? 89, 90, I would have been 17 years old. That would have been my first year of draft eligibility. So 
to we'll start back a little bit further so you can see because you won't know this no stats a few people know this so my last year of peewee at 13 i played midget d in onway what so so i'm playing with 16 and 17 guys turning 17 guys turning 18 when so, you were 13 yes so we we were the first we were the first team out of onway to go to provincials so we had some and uh, this will be politically incorrect for it was for the time. It's probably be a, so we had headbangers, we had nerds, we had guys that had never played uh, druggies, whatever you want to call them. But whatever reason, we worked together. We had a couple guys that had never played together before. Uh, one guy that couldn't skate, but however, and my dad, Big Jim, coached us, took us all together, and we became the first team to go to provincials from Onaway. But wow. we, so from there, I went to to Edmonton where my mom gave up my my uh, guardianship. She cried the whole way there and the whole way home to my auntie. And she even asked me not too long ago, she said, would you have been mad at me had I not given? And knowing what I know as a parent, I said, absolutely not, mom. I know you wanted me at home. But anyway, so I played in the city, played Bantam Double A because they found out that I moved to the city to play AAA. And so they put me on the lower team. We finished, I want to say, last in the league. And I still finished top five in the scoring. I was going to say, you must have lit it up. And then the next year, coming from Bantam AA, out of 100, you, had, you were allowed three imports at Raiders, where Xander's playing now. Out of 100 guys, as an underage 15-year-old who had played Bantam double the year before I made the team. So I went there as a 15 and 16-year-old. Actually, I made the team as a 16-year-old, and then I was driving. So it was an hour and 15 there, an hour and 15 back. We had like 10 o'clock practices. I'd get home. I was doing my matriculation, my university entry classes, because scholarship was something I'd thought about, didn't know anything else. And uh, I ended up uh, one day, not talk about it like anything else and i've said it before in some other uh interviews put up my hand in mr roslick's class i said mr roslick uh can i leave the can i leave the room he's like okay and he had been a teacher for me and know my parents dad on the school board my aunts and uncles went out into the hallway absolutely started bawling so and i suffer from depression so at that time looking back that's kind of was the first of it so I ended up actually quitting hockey for a couple of weeks after making Sherwood Park, the Crusaders Tier 2, Junior. And then I went back to uh, Major Bantam, Major Midget, sorry, Major Midget, and played there as a 16-year-old. Uh, had a good season. The following year, I went and played for Crusaders. So out of North American skaters, I was rated 63rd in the draft in in, a, in the hockey news when it was paper, <laughs> when it was a paper. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I had a really good season there. Uh, then I got a scholarship to North Dakota. Went That's there. what I was going to ask you. So you got a full ride to yeah. the North Dakota? Yeah. And then I went there. Think We had seven freshmen thinking that I would play lots, right? That year, I didn't play much. I think I had five points in three games at Christmas when – the rest of the guys went to the World Juniors. Uh, Greg Johnson, Chris Gotsman, Marty Schreiner, uh, Brad Bombardier, I want to say. Those guys all went. So I got to play play a significant amount more. So I had like 
five points in three games and I had six all year. And so when I talk to these guys that I, I mentor with MCN, I say, uh, you know, when I was at North Dakota, I was the coach's favorite. And they're like, well, how, how do you know? I said, I sat beside him the whole time. <laughs> so I hear you, man. I wasn't, I wasn't actually rated that year in the draft at all. So my 19-year-old okay. year, I, uh, Brian Maxwell, probably the coach I learned the most from, him and uh, Jacques Martin, um, came to me. I'm a, they had a protected list at the time. 50 men and then you have three college guys that you can continue to protect and they said you know what Pax we want you they just won the Memorial Cup and you know what I thought I didn't have that much fun at college looking back obviously an education would have been great uh can't look back and all that and I went and I signed with them and ended up being their leading scorer as a rookie so I come out yeah. of there uh rated 38th in the draft and uh, they opened it up that year to the uh, to 18, 19, 20-year-olds. You could get drafted yeah. round, and the Russians, and I ended up going 124th. So from 38th to 124th. And like I said, I, I showed Louis DeBrusque one day. Actually, we, we saw him in Cabela's. Do you guys have Cabela's down there? Yeah, we do. So Cabela's. And I had skated with uh, Louis in the summers up here just in passing because it's, you know, hockey community. And I introduced him to my son, Xander, and and uh, he was talking to a friend. Oh, hey, Louie, how you doing, blah. And then we saw him again. He goes, shit, with your stats, you'd have been a first-rounder now, he said, these days. And I said, well, yeah, that would have been nice for sure. You know, so, I mean, and I don't generally talk about myself, but you asked, so this is your fault. Hey, man, listen. I thought, we're I, celebrating your career right now, buddy. You're well, a legend. And, and Maxton, you're humble. I like it. I like your I humbleness. I didn't really fight until I got to Spokane. I fought a guy named Kent Staniforth. So he would have been probably, at the time, my understanding was one of the toughest guys out of the East. I believe he played Moose Jaw. Okay. And he absolutely destroyed me. And so I said, my Brian Maxwell takes me aside and he says, Pax, we got to teach you to fight or you're going to get killed. And then from there on, I think I, uh, I probably won pretty much all my fights uh, through the Western Hall. I, I wouldn't say I destroyed guys, but I, I didn't lose any handily. Other than Kale Hulse, a lefty, he opened me up for 16 stitches. And then Jason Bowen come off, who ended up being my roommate and teammate in Belfast, spun me around after really? I clobbered a guy in, in against Tri-Cities and spun me around and pop my helmet off and open me up for a few on the top of my melon. Uh, so, and then coming out of junior, I was pretty tough. I, I, at least I felt I was like, I, I did well. How's that? I never, and it wasn't one of those guys that was going to go out and absolutely pommel you and break your, your cheekbone or your eye socket, like a Tony twist or a raw yeah. break, right? <laughs> Somebody like that. Uh, and then I fought uh, uh, Serge Englehart. He's a French guy and uh, Jamie Hushcroft. And so there were two of my first three fights in the American League. So coming mm -hmm. out of junior, I did all right there. I was 32 stitches deep after those two guys. And, <laughs> you know, like you said, boy strong, man strong, and, and just the learning curve too, right? You know, just what to expect. So, and uh, I think my last, my last year of, 
junior. So out of my 80 goals in Western Hockey League, I had 50 power play goals. And really? So before Christmas, uh, my <laughs> first year, I had 30 goals in 33 games. So I was well on my way to – then I got what I thought was a, a groin injury and ended up uh-huh. being a, a abdominal strain. So uh, after Christmas, I scored 14 goals in 39 games. And so that, you know, obviously your your uh, stock dips. And, and then I came back after sitting out 27 games, getting healthy, and scored 30 – I want to say 38 and 42 games or something – in 38 and 45 games, buddy. That's incredible. Yeah, as a 20-year-old. and uh, But like you said, you're in 25 of those. So my my last year of, I think my first year in the American League, I scored more even strength than I did my last year in, in <laughs> Spokane, funny enough. So, no, I put <laughs> numbers. I never liked to fight. I, I fought once coming through there. And, and even, even uh, my second year, I... We had a guy, Martin Samar, who was supposed to be our tough guy. And he didn't fight that much or even stand up. So I took it upon myself, whether I was supposed to or not. And then my second year, and you'll know this name, Serge Roberge. And uh, he taught me a lot. He uh, he really did. He took me under his wing and took a lot of weight. And I was able to put up better numbers playing alongside of him because he took care of stuff. And I was able to to focus on physical stuff and uh, he you know what he was he's just a good guy couldn't speak english or french but amazing gentleman so <laughs> sergi sergi paid the price and he did his job well he was he was tough i think i think had he been able to skate better <clears throat> at the time i think he would have he would have rivaled guys not not points wise but toughness wise like like Bob Probert, you know, coming through during his era. He was just that tough. He just, him and, and Ryan Vandebush, another name you'll probably know, those guys, oh, yeah. I them kicked the shit at each other for probably two minutes straight. They beat each other up for a minute, then they pulled off their jerseys, and then they beat each other up for another minute. And I don't mean just hugging and wrestling, but absolutely destroying one another. So Yeah, dude. I had Bushy, I had Bushy as a special guest on the show, and and he went through some of those fights in detail. Packs, man, oh man, is it entertaining hearing it from the source? Oh, and if I'm being totally honest, like, and and I and I did well. Like I said, I never beat up guys. Like I fought Cairns, Borrell, um, Oliwa, Baumgartner. Oh. You know, like guys that were, were were legit. Like I mean, yeah. And, and I'm not going to lie, I'm going to say that I'm probably, other than Tony Twist going to camp with, I'm probably pretty happy that I never had to drop glove, the gloves with Ryan. Like, watching him, pound for pound, at 5'11", you know what, he hit as hard as as anybody that I'd ever seen fight. You know, like, he, he like I said, you talk to him, so... And probably seen his fights. There's probably more of his fights because he played in the in the NHL a lot. But yeah. he hit guys hard and yeah. took punches. Like it's one thing to throw it. I've seen guys that could throw hard punches, but you hit them in the right spot, and they're next thing you know they're pulling you in tight, grabbing your pants, and throwing you on the ground. I mean, we've like, all been right. You know, like yep. uh, I fought my, 
I, when I went back and when Xander was born, I fought a guy, uh, what was Ryan's last name? He played for Colorado. It'll come to me. And he hit me so hard, probably the hardest I've ever been hit, square in the nose. And I just pulled him in and said, I can't do this anymore. And he said, okay, we're done, Pax. You know, just legit. Yes. Yeah, Ryan Tobler. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And never been hit so freaking hard in my life. And just, you know, where you get sick to your stomach and all the energy out of your body is, you know, <laughs> like I've never oh, been yeah. knocked knocked down or knocked out but like I said that was hard like he hit me hard like I'm just glad I didn't go to sleep he stunned the heck out of you I'd call it oh stunned yeah. the heck out of you <laughs> well that's like well I don't know if you've ever had Georgie on yours LaRock yep but Georgie's he, so funny man I want to oh he is so I think he was in Hamilton his sec my second year maybe his first year because he's a little bit younger than me. So I didn't know he was a lefty. So I grab him a little bit too high on the shoulders, and he pops me with the left. So I push him out, and he looks at me, and he goes, you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm good, George. Thanks for asking. So I'll, I'll, I'll Facebook him now and then. Actually, he was supposed to uh, do, at my second wedding, he was supposed to, was, we tried to get him as a DJ when he was still up here in Edmonton, but he was booked for the weekend, so talked to him a little bit, and he knew who I was, and obviously I know who he was. He had a, you know, an outstanding career, right? Yeah, yeah, no, he's he's a character, man. I, I, I actually touched base with him recently because of that whole Sean Avery stuff, right? Oh. Because, like, George loves to get the media going, Oh. I, I have one wish that an ECHL team will give me a one-game contract so I could fight Sean Avery, right? March, the media March, went crazy. March 12th, right? March 12th, I think that was the date on his Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And just the stuff, like, and you, you know yourself, a true tough guy, the guys that I believe to be true good guys are probably better people off the ice and more likely to do something for you than, you know, like, and, and I don't know Sean personally but he just seems not not somebody i'd want to be put in like if i'm a tough guy i don't want to say that he's a tough guy too if you're a tough guy i'm okay with that you know i'm okay with saying I'm tough like george i like you said when people call us goons like you can skate you can shoot the puck right i played with guys that we would call up and three years before they were playing roller hockey and all they were doing fighting, drinking two liters of Mountain Dew before the game, not wearing <laughs> elbow pads. And, you know, that's, you know, like we had one guy and I won't mention his name because I mean, he had yeah. right. And, but staring down um, Dave Brown when we were in Quebec's camp, thinking that he's going to get it. Kid couldn't skate, worked hard, but that's all he could do. And, and, and I admire him for believing in himself and, and going that way. But, but you know, like, just to fight. Like, you, you're touching on, like you said, and I'm happy. And, you know, because there's so many guys out there, they talk about their fights. And, and I'm not, not belittling anybody that had to fight because we both know that it's an ugly job. Like I said, I would go into London and know that good chance I'm fighting twice and there's three guys. I don't know who they are. Or you going in somewhere you're the only tough guy that night. You got two of your other guys are out for suspensions and a broken knuckle. You're, you're headed into to the worst barn in the league. 
And you know what? But but and I know the fans dig it up and stuff, but in my older age and as I matured as a player, two reasons to fight. Protect a teammate, change the momentum of the game. When you're going out just to break records at 575, like Bonvi had it. He had 35 majors that year. I had 29 and I only had 274 minutes. Like, wow. like Bonvi, and I admire Bonvi because you know what? He played the game. He played it hard. Uh, we're all, I wouldn't say limited skill, but we all had our own skill sets. And that's what he did best. And he, he took a rate to the NHL. Good for him. But like you said, when you're going out just to break records, the most fights, like if I have to fight once and I'm Ryan Nugent Hopkins to protect uh, McDavid, that's just as that's just as valuable as as uh, I don't know Cassian going out and fighting ten times now in the NHL to change the momentum of the game because it's not in the skill set. It's about how you've how you've helped your team, what you've given. Like if if you're not a fighter and you give one fight, well, you've given 100% more than what you have. You know, if that, if that makes sense. If you're a, if you're no, a guy, oh, totally. If you're if you're a guy that's supposed to change the momentum, and you don't, and all you have to do is go out and throw a hit a game, or two hits or one period. Like realistically, even a skilled player to throw one hit a game or one a period, that's 20 hits per period. You know how much that changes the game? Like, photo plays like he's 6'4". We had Archibald here in Edmonton. Like, those guys, they they were momentum changers. And like you said, what my dad always said, a bump, a bump to a big guy is a bruise to a little guy. So... What you give is, and what you have is, it's it's in relative. Like, if you have a, and I've seen this just because I read these, these uh, what are they call it's called love phrases. So, yeah. a millionaire, a millionaire spends ten dollars on you to buy you roses, or a guy that makes ten dollars buys ten dollars to buy you roses. Right, they're the same roses. But who's yep. given more? Who's given more at the end of the day, right? Like you've played with guys that that you want to lean on, but they got a they got a heart. Like there's probably guys way more skilled than you or tougher than you, but didn't have the heart. Yep. And you see that with everything. You see potential in people, and and I think that's what the 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 people of Belfast saw they saw the potential in the Belfast Giants and they and they groomed and they watered us and the Giants now bloomed into a great thing because they saw the potential and and they knew we were giving everything we had at the time you know so that's the same thing with team and in life right you know I coach I don't know do you want to do any coaching Sean yeah oh yeah hockey schools coaching I love it I love it brother and this is this sounds terrible. Like we go there and we're giving everything we have to the kids, but you get that one kid, maybe a little bit less skilled, but all he wants to do is learn, and he wants to do the drill perfect, and he wants to say, "Sean, look at me. I, I did what you told me." Like there's something about that that says, "You know what? This kid, you know what? I'm going to give him an extra 30 seconds, a minute of my time each day, to make him better." 
And that's that's with everything in, in anybody's life. Like a good person, you're you're willing to help them. Somebody that's that's willing to help themselves. Or if you see someone struggling and they're they're too proud to help, you help them. That's just what you do. And and this sounds when I was coaching, now I'm just philosoph- philosophizing. I love it. I love it. Is, I love it, man. And and it's it's an extreme, but we're getting in a world where everybody's so fragile. So I see you walking in the hallway, Sean, and and uh, and you somebody bumps into you and you drop your books. Nobody helps you pick them up. You go home and you hang yourself, right? I someone bumps you. I I stop. Anybody stops. They pick up your books. You okay? Yeah. That may be the difference nowadays in whether that person goes on to to be successful or have a comfortable life or happy family or is miserable or dead, right? I mean, there's, and I know we can't change everything, but there's lots of things that we can do to to make things better. Um, I don't think I was a bully bully in school. And you, you probably weren't either, but no. but at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, did we do anything to stop the bullying? You know what I mean? Like we saw it, or they make a fun, and you're a little bit fat, or you know what, your ears are too big, or you know. And and I look back and I say, you know what, I could have been a better person, but now going forward, we can. And and I still make mistakes. I'm not saying I'm perfect, or I want anybody to go out there and you know pretend to be mother Teresa or whatever but you know like pick up a piece of garbage or open the door make make somebody smile once in a while you know like i say something inappropriate that makes somebody chuckle you know <laughs> i mean it's gonna happen i mean i'm not perfect but in the right crowd you can say you can say lots of words that make people smile <laughs> absolutely and paxton another thing i just want to add to that is also leading by example. Like think about some of the things that we we spoke about in this episode within the generations. Mr. Jim, yeah. your father sets this example, hard work, dairy farmers are the hardest workers, period. We all know that. Dedication, drive. He has a son now, Paxton, that changed the lives of thousands of people in the UK, brother, especially Belfast. The way people look up to you, man, the, the novelty of Paxton Schulte, the legend himself. Guys imitate you. Guys play hockey because of you, man, right? And and that's from Jim, and that's setting example. And, and I just really wanted to point that out because it's such a beautiful thing. Well, and I go over there, and, and I'm lucky, like you said. I'm lucky to be recognized, and and uh, and it it's, I guess, I, at the time, you never think how much it outreaches, like, my cousin walked into uh, to a uh, his bank, and a friend of his has a Paxton Schulte Belfast Giants jersey. A guy I worked with in Onway, his his sister dating a guy in Leduc, who drank with me in Belfast that has a Paxton Schulte jersey. You know, like you you don't realize that uh, one of the scariest moments of my life in Belfast. Uh, I'm not drinking. Uh, open containers allowed over there. So I yep. got, I want to say a couple guys from the team and a girlfriend or a couple friends and their girlfriends. can't remember exactly who was with me, 
we pull up on the tanks and you've seen them the armored tanks in belfast yeah guns big guns late at night kind of dark um not even sure where i was maybe dundonald's or something something that gone on pull up can i see your license please i'm like yes sir oh mr schulte how'd you guys make out tonight yeah <laughs> Great, you know, we're just headed back from the bar or we're going to the bar or dropping my friends off. You're like, you know, like to be in such a, a, a I don't know, I don't want to say torn because I don't know if that's even the right word, but in a in a city with so many questions to be answered and and lots of new ways and things happening, lots of lots of things happening, both pos- more positive than negative at the time. And to pull up onto these armored cars and these guys with guns, uh, you know, and and all of a sudden they know you. And they're like, you know what, this is this is maybe a good thing. You know, like, you know, if we can reach that far, you know, not just yeah. within the rink ice bowl at Dundonald and, and the Odyssey and, and a few schools here and there. You know, like, it's exciting. It was, it was an exciting time. I took over one of my teachers from here. Uh, and we're walking down the Giants Causeway. Oh, wow. And how are you doing? And he was with his class. And this Mr. Slumko is his name. He pulls out 25-odd little Canadian Leafs for these kids. So not only was I recognized, but he's being an ambassador for Canada, right? The, what we're wow. all known you, <laughs> us as hard men, and then also being, you know, a peace-loving country, you know, like, and an ambassador too so you know what looking back and you're getting me all excited about it again and i'm actually it's awesome though right i'm actually supposed to be over at a friend's wedding right now but we had trouble with my girlfriend's uh a passport and then with covid and everything we're supposed to be you know what i know you know him gavin moore no way yeah wow he's getting married on Thursday. so we were friends and he's got in some great shape recently has he not yes so I don't know how much you know about Gavin. I'm going to talk about him because he's a good friend and tell him, you know what, uh, good luck on your upcoming marriage. So anybody that knows him knows he's gay, right? So, and once again, talking about improv. So we, when I met him, he came to the ice bowl and he was young. So he came with his mom and, and he was, and, and I don't know because for sure, but Gavin will correct me after the podcast, but behavioral issues. But anyway, he got to know us, became a friend. First, he was just this little kid that we were mentoring and friends with. And family was awesome, mom and dad. And so we got, he became Gordy the monkey. And I would slap him on the ass when I'd skate off the ice with my stick. And not lightly. I would make sure that he felt it. (laughs) Everybody in the crowd felt it. And we became friends and close. And so not too long. I don't know, maybe, I don't know how long ago it was, but. I said, Gavin, so you got a girlfriend, Pax, I'm gay. I said, I can't wait to shower with you. That'll be great. <laughs> and and I and he came in, he became a goalie, and he plays goal over there now and stuff. And I just heard this joke. Totally inappropriate, and I apologize to anybody I'm gonna offend with this. But he said, uh, Gavin, what's the worst thing about being a goalie? He says, I don't know. I said, telling your parents you're gay. <laughs> he said <laughs> And so anyway, but we've had a close relationship and he is literally like a brother. And, but those are the kinds of things you forge over there. You change lives. He was, 
he's a well-adjusted human being and a loving relationship. And I wish I could be at your wedding, Gavin. And uh, just everything, you know what? The people, like you said, you you hear people and you, like I said, you know he's gotten in great shape. Like you said, we don't talk about Gavin the goalie or Gavin the fan. We talk about Gavin, our friend. And yeah. Also, those are the things you forged. You forged over there is the friendships. Uh, we started it. You were part of it. Hopefully it continues on uh, to be as big as the next thing. Uh, you know, maybe maybe someday there'll be a, uh, an elite league playing against the likes of, uh, I don't know who... Uh, uh, that, uh, you know some of the the elite uh, uh, Swedish leagues and stuff like that, right? You know, like yep. you know, like the possibility is great. I mean, Great Britain's coming up in the ranks and in the the Olympic standings, the IWHF, uh, the good influx of of the teams from here. You know, one, you know, the, the Malmo, like you said, play against teams like that or any of the Danish or Swedish elite or Finnish elite league teams, like you, I mean, we've been in the champions cup and, and yep. did well, did well, did well. And, and so the, the sky's the limit for that over there and to, to have started it and to be part of it, you know, the, it's, it's amazing, you know, and, and where are we going to be in 25 years? Like everybody's, Oh, where's your son going to be? Is he going to come over there? Like, who knows? You know, I, I mean, right now that's still that's still the other way. You know, going from your career here to that way. But yeah, how long before you're gonna say Max Stewart, you know, drafted or Max Stewart playing in the Western Hockey League or Max Stewart got a scholarship or, you know, there's other kids I don't know, but you know, they have a strong strong teams over there and going forward um the availability of the ice time right both you and i know like we talked about before how expensive it is you know like anybody can pick up a soccer ball and and football soccer ball and play that on any field but unfortunately hockey is not one of those sports you need ice time fees you need the you need the the rinks themselves you need uniforms you need you know it's and it, and I don't want to say I'm rich by any means, but it's it's definitely a, a a more wealthier person's sport, and it's it's unfortunate. Like I mean, I know there was times, and I look back, there was kids that probably had given the opportunities that you or I were given, probably could have had have forged a little bit further in their hockey careers, you know. And I'm not saying everybody, but but you know yourselves, like. Uh, we didn't move away from home or we couldn't afford a condo. I talked to a friend. Their son didn't want to live away from home, but they couldn't afford to, to to move again and have one residence here and one there, right? And it's understandable. It's not it's not easy. It, lots of kids will have the skill going forward. And then beyond that, how mentally trying is it on a person? Oh. We, touched, we touched on my depression, right? I don't yep. think it was hockey, but... But like you said, you, you know yourself, go to camp. Like I go to Calgary and you're always hoping to make Calgary. You know, I had a good opportunity to get injured. Okay, I'm set down. Then you wait and you wait and you wait and you play and you get healthy. When are they going to tell me I can find a place to live? When can I get out of the hotel? You know, 
you know, like, do you, or, and when you're playing good, everybody wants you. So are you going to get traded at the deadline? When yeah. You're when you're playing bad, your team doesn't want you. Are they going to trade you? You know, there's, where's the job security? There, the job security, after Gretzky got traded, there's no job security. I don't care who you were. You know, unless your, dad, unless your dad owns the team and you, and you are managing and coaching it, that might be the only time that you can say you have a job. I agree. And that was a turning point in hockey for sure. Right. Yo, when, when, when the great one went to the, went to California, man. Right? I, cried. I cried. Yeah. I was young. I cried. Like I, he was my favorite. He still, I, I would love to meet Wayne Gretzky. I, I even, when his hockey school came to St. Albert here, when they started it up in Coeur d'Alene, I emailed them and I said, you know what, I'll come down there. I'll work for free. I just wanted to, be in the same presence as him never got called back and then they came to st albert i did the same thing so i just eventually stopped emailing him (laughs) (laughs) i i hear you brother he's he was my favorite growing up as well i remember getting that um wayne gretzky autobiography book where he's in the la kings uniform and he's like has his arms like this i I, I was a pretty young fella and 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 he was my favorite growing up as well man yeah 100 percent he did lots of good things. He's still doing lots of good things. You know, um, as, as best I know, he, he's a good person. Like I said, I don't want to think anything of, and, and that bothers me too. And you, you hear stories of different guys, whether they be hockey players or movie stars, Oh, they're a terrible person, but I look up to him like that. Yeah. hurt. Like, yeah. I don't, if, if you're a bad person and you're my idol, I don't want to know because I, I like you just the way you are in my, in my imaginary, you know, like, yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those. No, things. no, I, I hear exactly what you're saying, but one thing I wanted to point out though, Paxton. Okay. And now I'm talking on behalf of myself and of many, many people across the pond and everywhere else. I'm just using Belfast as a small sample size here, but you know how you just explained the great one, Wayne Gretzky, right? That's how we think of you, my man, right? You have that kind of impact on us, Paxton. Well, and, and that, I'm telling you, brother, I'm telling you. You know what? And, uh, and I, I don't think I could ever hold my standards as high as him, just being who I am, because he is, to me, someone I would lo- just absolutely die to meet for. But, but like you said, Belfast, I, I get that, but I... I think the people, the people made me who I was there. I, I know that I, I've done lots of good things. I, I like said, saying that humbly, but, but at the end of the day, like without the people, I am, I really am nothing. And, and I'm glad that people think of me that way in a positive light. I'm sure there's people I piss off and, and, <laughs> and stuff like that. I know was not, not perfect by any means, but, but I, I, it's definitely a good feeling. Let's say that. Like I said, I'm, I'm humbled by your words and other people when they talk about me like that. But, but it's, it's hard because when you, as a kid being in North America, having the NHL guys and knowing what high standards you think and being untouchable. And, and I think maybe that's why, you know, I always, I went to a, an Oilers open practice. I was going to take my stick and get it signed. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I'll get to see him. 
well, there's 18,000 people there and you're not even close to the ice. And, yeah. and I, part of me said, you know what? And not that anybody there ever treated me bad, but I always knew that I wanted to, to be somebody that if somebody looked up to me, I could at least shake their hand or, you know, like, uh, got a chance to Tretiak drop the puck in London once for the Russian thing. I just skated by, he was still on the mat, shook his hand, pleasure to meet you. Wow. You know, something as simple as that, like just yeah. to say in, in all that greatness, like even Mr. Glenn Hall, he's close to home. My dad, you know, was briefly coached, I think a little bit from him, played in a game with him. Uh, I know one of his sons really well, uh, Lindsay, uh, and, and it's just, you know, like he's, he's just a farm kid too, right? He's when, when, when things are asked of him, you know what, you do what you can. Like you said, uh, being in from a farming background, being from my mom, being in the, the church and, and stuff in the community. And when people ask, like I, now I tell mom, mom, you can only give so much, like you can't spread yourself thin, but you know what, somebody's tractor breaks down, everybody in the community goes over and does what they can, you know? So, so just, being, just being accessible, right? You know, like if you asked me tomorrow, could you do another one? I'd be like, okay, how about another one? Oh, sure, why not? You know, like, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I want to talk about good things and and just reminisce? That's the good thing about working in the sports store is it's just a giant locker room, you know? Yeah. I don't always talk hockey, but talk about baseball and how's you know the blue jays they did well this year very well you know like oh i'm not a curler but i see canada you know they did well and so on yeah. and so forth or oh where do you live oh i'm up at westlock oh i got cousins in westlock yeah what are they oh yeah i know them they're good people too or oh yeah they sold me this or yeah they i bought a cow and it died <laughs> <laughs> i hear you man and you have no idea how much i appreciate this small talk Paxton and like I'll tell you what man for for a guy that like I said in the beginning I've heard so much about heard so many hands-on stories about that you were involved with the story all this and then now I get to talk to him it's like I've known you for so long right and 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 now and now it's all coming true it's all coming to light these stories you're telling, man, they're priceless, Paxton. I, I appreciate it so much, man. I can't well, even imagine what the listeners think right now, man. Well, like you said, I'm hoping I'm, hoping I'm bringing back good memories to, like I said, the fans of the past and touching on the, the fans of the present and, and maybe some of the future ones. Like I got, you get face, Facebook, you don't know me, but, but my parents, I was a baby when you started playing, you know, like, you know, oh, that's awesome. Or, my parents met at 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 the Giants when you were playing, and they talked about you, and and now yeah. I'm a fan. You know, like yep. wow, that I mean, to be it's one thing to just say, oh yeah, my you know my parents are Giants fan, and I'm a Giants fan too. But no, they were there when you started. You were their favorite player, and you know what? I don't know you, but can you send me a pick sign picture? Yeah, absolutely. I I'll sign whatever. You know, like you send something off to me or can I get a birthday wish? My dad's not doing well. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, say something here and there or do what, do what you can. Like you said, you know what, and your podcast, your podcast, and I'm going to say this, it would be nothing 
if there was no listeners. I mean, exactly. you're giving a product, but people want to hear from you. You were admired over in, in Belfast, and I know that from when I went over to the testimonials and stuff. We never played together, never met, but but they liked you, and you're a likable guy. So you're giving back to them what they gave to you. You're, you know people that want to listen to you talk, and you want to hear what other people have to say, and you know what? It's good because... They're not the normal questions. They're not the, they're, some of them are easy questions. You know, what's your favorite color? Green, blue, yellow, you know? Yeah. Did your mom spank you? Absolutely. She, I deserved everything <laughs> I thought. You know, oh, yeah. Did your dad spank you? Not a damn chance because I didn't do anything bad because I didn't want to spank you from my dad, you know? There you go. Yeah, you know, no, the, I hear you. The, the truth, the, the real truth, right? Like me and you at the end of the day, like my dad would say, we put our our pants on one leg at a time, like everybody else. That's right, man. That that that's it's it's so down to earth. It's motivating. It's it's a whole bunch of things at once, Paxton. And like while I got you here, I'm gonna put you on the spot because I'm gonna ask if if the if Paxton Schulte is gonna come back for a part two. Uh, you know what? I will come back anytime you ask me, and that's that's the truth. Uh, we can talk about current affairs. We can talk about the past. We can talk about what I had for breakfast, if I can remember. So we will do I whatever really... you want. We can, you know what? Maybe I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll pick your brain. Maybe somebody should, uh, to ask you some questions about. Here's who's your favorite fight in Belfast? Your most memorable I... fight. Well, I'll tell you what, man. When I got to the team, I guess the year before they weren't, they didn't have too much beef. So Mr. Brad Voth, oh, playing yeah. for the Cardiff yeah. Devils. So I Brad, guess he and just... I, Brad and I played in Tulsa together. Awesome. So you know, you know exactly. Okay, great. Yep. Brad Vother just just friggin' terrorized the Giants the season before. Apparently, it's what the fans are telling me, right. and the players, and Coach Thornton, and everybody else. And our first game against Cardiff. I didn't even realize it, Paxton. I fought him in the beginning of the game, right on the emblem. Two lefts, he went down. It was the first time, I guess, anyone had put him down in the Elite League. And the place went berserk, and no one ever was finished talking about it for the whole season. That's how big of a deal it was. So that one stands out to me big time. But that's our thing is, like you said, and I is the family aspect, right? Yeah. So right away, with open arms, you could have probably went and had supper at anybody's place. No, no word of a doubt. I felt invited. Yes. Yeah, I did. But I felt that invited. Yeah. It stands out in your head. And this, and and going on about family and and when I don't know, like being in the American League, and I'm not saying they're not doing it now. NHL. Um, in, in East Coast, wherever wherever a guy played, especially guys like us, tough guys, right? Didn't make a lot of money, did our job, put on our work boots, went to work every day, and and like I said, I suffer from depression. The what's the word? The support. There's not the support out there for the guys that didn't make it big. Like I said, I, I, I think, and and part of it on me, I think if I reach out more, I think there would be that support. Uh, Mike McWilliams, you know him. He's actually, we've chatted a few times. He's He's been great, like, just to talk, and he knows the ins and outs of different stuff, but the support out there. 
and and teary eyed, I had I worked the the penalty box for my son's game. Uh, I don't know, a couple games ago, and I said to my girlfriend, I said, you know what, for for the first time in a long time, I felt like I was part of something. You know, like like you were back helping the team. I know it's silly and no, it's not silly, open, man. I was just opening a door for my son's hockey team. But if you weren't there, you weren't doing anything, right? You know, like, it's a far cry from sitting on the bench and and rubbing a guy out or saying, you know what, you know, maybe you better keep your stick down or, you know, pounding home a game winner or scoring one off your ass. But there's that that sense of wanting to be part of a family. My family's great. Don't get me wrong. It's nothing to do, but it's a whole different family. For so long, hockey was my life, and I realized that there's more to it. But at the end of the day, being as tough as you are, you still you look back. Like, you probably play some men's league. It's not the being on the ice. It's sitting in the dressing room. It really is. Like you said, or, or you know what, let's go for some wings. You know what? That's that's camaraderie. It's the family. It's a, it literally is a family thing, and being in Belfast probably felt the strongest, like both on and off the ice. Like anywhere you went, you you were able to help someone or be part of something, right? It was such a growing thing, both both the uh, both in the communities, the city itself and on the ice and in the odyssey so those are i want to point something out paxton before we go here okay because we got belfast has come up again so i'm a stat guy paxton and when i saw the four years that you played for the giants and then i looked down and i looked at your last season with the belfast giants (laughs) 54 games played, 21 goals, 30 assists, 51 points. But ladies and gentlemen, 352 penalty minutes. And this is a guy that doesn't get 10s. I know he doesn't. Well, there's definitely a few 10s in there. I know there's a few, Paxton. Yeah, there's definitely a few. But, yeah. 50 points in 50 games, Paxton. 50 um, points in 50 games, Paxton. We had, I was very positional. I had, I, I oh. had lots of help and, and lucky too. I mean, you, 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 okay. So I have some skill and I, <laughs> and, and I fought a little bit and yeah, it's not, you know, tens, like you said there, when we were in the Western Hockey League, there was no tens handed out there. There was a few, but. It's just, like I said, that's how it worked out. That's what had to be done at the time. Like maybe I would have had the same amount of points with less penalty minutes or vice versa. It's just that's that's what the doctor prescribed and that's the doses I was given out. So we, Yeah, man. That's I, I, I had to I had to talk about I mean every season, every season you pretty much had a point per game. Five ten points under, you know, the the, the game yep. to the point. But man, that last season, point per game, fifty points in fifty games. 
almost 400 penalty minutes. You just yeah. terrorized the league and had a point per game. I, I just thought it was so incredible. Yeah. That it's And the Giants. The Giants fans must have just been like, this guy's getting a point per game. He's fighting the toughest guy on, on the other side. Man, I understand why you're such a legend, Paxton. And well, I can't wait to see when you go back there for, like, another testimonial. I hope I'm there when well, you go. Well, I was supposed to be there in the last weekend, which would have been nice. Two games, see the sights and a wedding and all the good stuff. And That's right. Went back for uh, – and you know this too is uh, having uh, McFall wear my jersey out of the rafters, number twenty-seven. Yes. Um, an unfortunate reason for it, but but very well caused. Uh, good family, both on and off the ice. He um, said, "That's what you do. Is uh, you make things happen, and you provide for those that you can provide for." And and I was fortunate fortunate enough to be able to help someone out in an unfortunate situation and uh like you said anybody would have did the same it was a no-brainer um yeah <laughs> talk about the minutes yeah there's a lot of minutes like i said even you look at my when i said i went from 30 goals and almost a point a game in, uh, in the american league with st john to 274 minutes the next year yeah and like still 37 said, points yeah that's half a point a game playing yep. well you tell me you tell me how hard it is to be a half a point a guy game with three three shifts a game a period right <laughs> yeah game, right you know and and i had 29 fighting majors that year like i know because bombie had 500 and some minutes and 35 year. Majors, 35 fighting majors and kevin sawyer had 30 fighting major 31 a good friend of mine too and he didn't have near the minute. Like I said, it's all, all what it's all what you give to the team. If you if you have nothing and you give everything, that's more important than like we talked about before. Like I said, uh, I'm sure you're not making millions of dollars off this podcast, uh-huh. but you're making lots of people smile on the other end. So to you, I applaud you. Thank you very much, Sean. And uh, it is it has been an honor. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know. Honestly, I, I knew that they loved you in Belfast as well. And I didn't know whether I'm going to be talking to somebody that could mince words or make words or if he was going to be down. And this is, you know, make it, you know, like some of these interviewers that you see on TV. And are you a Dan Rathers or are you a Jim, Gene Principe? Which is, to me isn't any better than being a <laughs> because I I really have to turn the TV when he's on because he just does my head in. <laughs> Did you enjoy so yourself I, today? I absolutely 100% did too. So yeah, I enjoyed myself, man. You know what? Next that. time, if you want, you ask me some more personal things about my depression. And if there's anybody on the end or young guys that we can help, let's do that. Yes. Now, that's what I want our part two to be about because we just simply like, like, there, buddy, you're such an interesting dude. I, I didn't even get halfway through your career. We didn't even talk about a lot of seasons. And I need to get you on because I want to talk about that, especially with someone like you that speaks so well that we can really get to the listeners. So this part two is, is I'm talking about sooner than later, Mr. Schulte. So you have committed to it. You better not back out. I don't want to fight you, but you better not back out, my man. My days, if unless I'm getting paid, I ain't fighting. So <laughs> there's a good chance we ain't fighting unless it's for the last chicken wing. There you go. 
Mr. Paxton Schulte, I, I, I want while you're still here, I just I want to thank the listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Sheriff. Guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as me. This was I'm so say, incredible. I uh, my buddy here, he said I he's seen this on there. He's never listened to a podcast. So Miles Spencer, one of my old colleagues, you better have listened to this. And Gavin and Paul, congratulations on your your new marriage. May every day be better than the last. So happy. And Sean, thank you for having me on the show, buddy. Oh, thanks, buddy. I really appreciate it. Guys, we're going to sign out now.